Well, we're going to move on pretty quick through this tonight as we have a review. You can turn to Unit 4. It's on page 68 of your book. Now, <clears throat> let me mention this to you. I don't want you to get discouraged, be dismayed, but if you get behind, that's okay because just don't give up, throw up your hands, say, what's the use, this is it, I'm too far behind to catch up. No, you're not. Just do a little, just work toward it. And that's, just keep, just keep pludging on, and uh, you'll, you'll do fine. The devil would want you to give up, and he wants us to throw in the towel from time to time, and he wants us to get discouraged. Discouragement's the number one tool that he uses in our life. And discouragement is sin, and so we have to be careful not to get discouraged and just say, hey, there's no use. But just take it at your speed. If you're behind, I got behind after Miss Francis passed and doing some things, and I had to go back and, and come up and get caught up, but just take it as you can, and uh, we'll go through it together, and you'll benefit from it. I promise you, and you already have, perhaps. And so we, I just wanted to give you that word of encouragement. Just stay with it, and you're going to be glad that you did. So let's look just a moment on page 68, unit 4, how the verse to memorize. The one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me, and the one who loves me will be loved by my Father. I also will love him and reveal myself to him. Now if you look on page, uh, made some statements. I'm just calling your attention to some statements that were made on page uh, 70. He made this statement. He said, you'll never be satisfied to know about God. You'll never be satisfied to know about God. And that's just informational. That's cognitive uh, knowledge. Uh, a lot of people know things about God, but they don't know God. And so we're not just satisfied to know about God. You come to know God as he reveals himself to you, and you respond to what he says. And so that's key. We come to know God and how he reveals himself to us and how, he, how we experience him. We come to know him. On page 71 there, it says, Describe an event which you, uh, number three, I'm sorry, describe an event down at the bottom of the page. Describe an event through which you know you experience God at work or in your life. Now, is there anything that's happened to you in your life you think that that event helped you to come to know God by how you experienced God? In other words, it increased your faith and understanding about the power, how powerful God is, how sovereign he is, anything. I jotted down some things that's happened to me in my life. First of all, I'll just mention when I surrendered uh, to the ministry and we moved from Grenada, Mississippi to Phil Campbell. Uh, I believe that I experienced God uh, as, you know, as God was working in my life and calling me to preach. And uh, by faith, we stepped out and moved. We didn't have a place to come to. We came up uh, the day before we moved or two days before we moved, found a place on Nick's Road there in the housing project. I didn't have a job, didn't have a church, but we felt like that that's what God wanted us to do. And we were pretty sure of that. So by faith, we stepped out. And when we did, we began to experience God. And God just began to open doors. And, 
and there was only one apartment available, and, and it was mostly for senior adults, and we were 26 years old at that time, and so I go to find out and question about that apartment, and the lady says, well, I don't see why you, you and your wife can't have that apartment, so we had an apartment, and then Judy was hired at, at Bluebell, and then I took a job with TGNY and enrolled in school, and God just, we began to experience God and how by faith, stepping out in faith, making some adjustments, we could really see God working in our lives. And so I came to experience him. It's kind of like Abraham experienced him. I came to experience him as my provider. We really depended on God. And so we experienced him as being our provider. So that's one way we, ex we experience God. So that's what he's talking about here. Describe an event which you know you experience God in your life. Now I experience, yes, okay. you knew that came from God, had to. Yeah. What about it, Jason? You've experienced God as your healer. as uh, the good shepherd, you know. Uh, you know, Psalm 23 comes to mind, you know, and the peace that he gave you. You experienced him as uh, Rapha, the God that heals us. What about others? How do you experience God? Testimony. 
Ja. That's good. Anybody else? How you experienced him? You know, Abraham experienced him as as the provider. He stepped out in faith and did what? And and that's where you experience him. You know, in the act of obedience, then you experience him working in working in your life. Um, if you would uh, look on. Um, on page 71, describe an event. I mentioned those. I've listed three or four here. And so those are personal when God was working in, in transferring us to, to different vocations and what have you. And, and a lot, he was my provider financially. You know, just so many ways he provided I don't know. I graduated from UNA, and uh, I didn't have a I didn't have a school debt. I mean, I didn't have a school loan. Uh, I think Corey and Shane made up for the difference with they, with theirs, but you know, I get to looking at that. I remember one time I liked three hundred dollars, and I would borrow the money at the bank, and I would pay it back by the end of that that uh, quarter semester, semester at UNA. And I like $300. I might have shared this over the years. I can't remember all. But uh, so I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I told you that I would, I would come, I would leave my job, but I'd go back to school, but you'd have to put me through school, and I don't have this $300. And the banks want their money, and they were, it's coming close to the time that was due. And so I got a letter from my Uncle Willard, and he lives in the Mount Hebron community. He could have picked up the phone and called me. But I just got, I just got this letter. went to the post offices right across uh, next to the Chevron, the old post office. And I went in there, and I had a letter from my Uncle Willard. And I thought, what does Uncle Willard want? We could have talked on the phone, you know. We visited all the time. About every Sunday when I was growing up, and, and I opened that envelope, and there was just a white sheet of paper in there that had a check folded up. And uh, it had paid to the order of Sammy Taylor, and down at the bottom, for the Lord's work, for $300. The exact amount that I needed to pay off that, that note for that school. And I could go on and on and how he's worked in providing my needs. And I'm sure you can too. But I've, I've experienced him as provider. Um, and, and that's what, you know, one of the ways that we experience him. Um, look on page um, 74. On page 74, um, he made a statement. I've jotted down 
uh, in the le- he says, uh, I jotted this down as far as a statement. Obedience is your outward expression of your love for God. You believe that? Obedience. I just, I, this came to mind. I read it through here somewhere. Obedience is your outward expression of your love for God. You know, Jesus said, if you love me, what? Keep my commandments. Obedience. Look on day three there on page 74. He brought out a good point there. Um, and uh, he's, he says, if you have an obedience problem, it's because you have a what? A love problem. If you're not obeying God, it's, it's not that you have an obedience problem, you have a love problem. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. John fourteen twenty one, down on the left side under day three. The one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I also will love him and will reveal myself to him. That's a key word, reveal. And so number one there, who's the one who loves Jesus and what does he have to do? Well, the one who has his commands and he keeps them. B part, how does the Father respond to the one who loves him? He'll be loved by the Father. What two things will Jesus do? In the C part, what two things will Jesus do for the one who loves him? He will love him, and what? He'll reveal himself to him. So we're talking about experiencing God. We're talking about having uh, encounters with God. And we may not be having the encounters because we're not loving him, and that's proven because we don't obey him. But if we obey him, it's because we love him. And when we love him, it says he will love us and he will reveal himself to us. So it's all tied in in obeying and loving God. And so he says if you have an obedience problem, it's because you, it's, it's, if you have an obedience problem, it's because you have a love problem. On uh, page 75, on the right, uh, in the orange print there. Um, okay? Uh, on page uh, 75, number 3. Do you believe that God's will for you, for you is always best? Well, why, why not? How does your walk with God reflect your confidence in God? Anybody want to share what you put there? Yeah. 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 Well, I do too, Gerald. And and I jotted this down in the uh, well down on number four. 
Do you ever argue with God? You ever think, hey, God, I think this would be best if we do it this way. I mean, I guess I'm the only one that does. But we have a time arguing with him. Do you ever refuse to obey what God says? If you do, what does that reveal about your view of God's wisdom? It, review, it reveals to us that we really don't trust God. We think we can do it ourselves in a better way or have a better way. And when we think to go on our own, like Gerald was mentioning, this, I'm pretty sure this is God's will, but I think I'll go this route. Well, that's, that reveals that we really don't trust God. Okay? Look at, uh, look at number four on page 75. Thank you, Kim. Whenever God gives you a directive, it's always right. God's, God's will is always best. You never have to question whether his guidance is, is the best path for you. It always is. This is true because he loves you and he knows the future because he loves you perfectly and you can trust him and obey him. God's omnipotent, all-powerful. He's omnipotent. That means he's all-powerful. He created the world from nothing, and he'll accomplish anything he purposes to do. If, if he asks you to do something, he himself will enable you to accomplish it. We'll look at that fact in day five. And so never question God's directive. Whatever he tells us to do, that's the best. And he's, he, he loves us, and he wants the best for us. And so we just need to kind of... Keep that tucked in the back of our mind. Look, if you will, um, on, let me see. Let's go to, uh, let's go to day four. Day four. God invites you to join him. Let's see there for just a moment. Uh, look at a uh, question, um, Got so much written in the sides. Um, okay, one note I jotted down uh, on page, uh, on number one. Describe a time when God invited you to become involved in what he was doing. Anybody think of that? When God was calling you or inviting you to do something for you to join him in what he was doing. Did anybody jot down anything there? and how God invited you to become involved in what he was doing. How about witnessing to someone? Maybe God says, you need to talk to that person. You know, and you talk to that person, you have the best conversation, and hey, that's what God was doing. You know, we're going to start, we're going to share, I mean, we're going to look at some things in a few minutes where we're probing people to see if this is where God is working or not. It's all right to do that. And then when we find out, then we join him. But um, I've had a number of witnessing opportunities because 
I sensed that God would say, you need to talk to that person. And I'd, I'd talk with them and, and uh, be able to share, plant a seed, or do some cultivating. Sometimes God permitted me to be there when, when the harvest came. But, uh, but I felt like he was leading me to, to talk to that person. Okay? Um, on page 79 there, look at the top of that page. Both the Old and New Testaments confirm God works through people. When God's fullness of time had come to redeem a lost world through his son, he gave 12 men to Jesus to prepare them to accomplish his purpose. When God's about to do something, he takes the initiative and he comes to one or more of his servants to let them know what he's about to do, and he invites them to adjust their lives to him, and he'll accomplish his work through them the prophet Amos stated, The Lord God does nothing without revealing his counsel to his servants, the prophets. And so we have to remember, God works through us to reach a lost world to himself. He could do it himself, but he chose to do us. He chose first his people, the Israelites, and they rejected the Messiah. And so what did he do? He called Saul of Tarsus to be the to be the apostle to the Gentiles. And then the apostle Paul began to share a gospel by, by faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work at Calvary and for us to be a, a witness to the world. And so he, he's using us, uh, uses our church. He wants to use this church, this body of Christ here. And if we refuse to be used, what will he do? It won't thwart his purpose, but what will he do? He'll use another church, and he can use as many as he wants at the same time. But what I'm trying to say is they rejected, Israel rejected what he wanted them to do, and he turns to the Gentile. He uses the church, and if we reject what he wants us to do about reaching a lost world with him, then he'll, he'll go on and he'll choose another church, and, and then we'll be, we'll be left to to do the best we can in our own effort. And uh, that's, uh, that's frightening. Uh, look at Dave, look on page 80, the top of that page. It's kind of neat. As, <clears throat> as God's child, you're in a love relationship with him. Because he loves you, he wants you to be involved in his work, and he'll show you where he's working so you can join him. And the key word in the statement is to watch. Jesus watched to see where the Father was at work, and then he did what he saw the Father doing. For Jesus, the revelation of where the Father was working was his, his invitation to join God's activity. And when you see the Father at work around you, that's your invitation to adjust your life to him and join him in his work. Okay? So the key word, watch, be on the lookout, see where God's working around you. Okay? Go down to uh, the third parag uh, fourth paragraph on the same page, page 80. Two factors are important for you to recognize God's activity around you. You must live in an intimate love relationship with God, and God must take the initiative to open your spiritual eyes so you can see what he's doing. And number five there, what do you think you've met? Why do you think you've missed joining God's activity around you in the past? So let's say you've missed that activity. Why do you think you missed it? Why do we miss seeing where God's working? Self-centered? 
That's good, thinking about all we got to do, and that leads to something else. What? It's being too, huh? Not seeking him, not building that relationship. Something. We're just too busy. We're too busy. We just get so busy. We're just tunnel-driven, you know, and we're, we've got something on our mind, and we're doing it, and as we do, we pass everybody by. And so we have to be careful. I have to be careful. Two factors, number six, to recognize in God's activity is a love relationship and for God to open your eyes. Working where God is at work. Number seven, if you're in our situation, how would you decide where to begin working? Well, see where God's working. Just see, just see where God is working. Um, Look on page uh, 82 on day 5. Um, if you would, look over to, uh, let me see. Look at 83 on day 5. And I want, I want you to come down to um, uh, things that only God can do, that chart there. Here's what God can do. Draw people to himself, cause people to seek him, Reveal spiritual truth. Convict the world of guilt about sin. Convict the world of righteousness. Convict the world of judgment. And the paragraph underneath. When you see one of these things happening, you know God's at work. He's active when you see someone coming to Christ, asking about spiritual matters, beginnings to understand spiritual truth, experiencing conviction, being convinced of Christ, is righteousness or being convinced of judgment. Had the UPS guy stop in here this past week, and um, I never had met him. And so, uh, anyway, he came to, he came to bring, uh, bring some things. And, and so uh, I said, hey, man, you need the restroom or, you know, you need, well, you need anything? Can we help you? And he's, he said, you got any water? And I said, sure, I'll go get some water. So I went and got him a couple bottles of water. And when I came out of the kitchen, he's standing at the door looking in here. And uh, I said, you've never been here before. He said, no, I'm new. And I says, well, let me, let me turn on some lights. So I turned on some lights. And so he said, my goodness. And he said, I always knew there was maybe something special about this church. And I said, let me show you around. So we, I gave him a little tour. Now, if you were late getting your packages because I was trying to build a relationship with a UPS guy. And so, anyway, I showed him some cabinet doors and how God had worked and some things that God had done. And, and uh, I said, where do you attend church? And he said, well, I go to, I go to Winfield Church of Christ. And uh, I said, oh, really? He said, yeah. I said, I got a brother-in-law that lives there, and he knew my brother-in-law. And um, he said, you know, I'm going I'm to go home, and I'm going I'm to tell my wife, we may just drop in. I'd like to come by and visit this church. And I said, well, you're welcome to. And so I said, hey, come and, come and uh, visit with us, and I'll buy you lunch at your church. And don't tell my brother-in-law and bring a lot of folk with you because I can't, can't do that. And so I looked for him to come. Now, I, I said all of that because I believe God was working with him. And that's, that's only God can cause people to seek him. So pick up on things like that, wherever you might be, whatever you might be doing. Okay? Look on, uh, real quick, look on page 85. 
on page 85. Um, top of page 85, I've got a note that says, Remember, when you want to know what God's doing around you, pray, watch to see what happens next. Make the connection between your prayer and what happens next. Find out what God's doing by asking probing questions. Then listen, be ready to make the adjustments required for you to join in what God is doing. That's a good thing to circle right there. To, uh, and come on down about the third paragraph. As a church, we were already conditioned to recognize things that only God can do. And here's, here's the thing about it. It's what you have to keep in mind. What are we doing at Mountain View that only God can do? See, and you want to, if, if a church is, if people see things happening at a church, at a congregation, that cannot be explained, but God is just working there, they'll come and see that. They'll come to see what's going on. It's not about what we can do, but it's what God can do through us. Okay? And he talked, he, he does a great job um, of, uh, sharing about it's not about our plans it's about God's plans and God using us to carry out his plans and we have to remember that look in that paragraph look for the ways God's going to work through you beyond you to accomplish his purpose bring glory to himself God's work in you will bring a blessing to you and others but the blessing is a byproduct of your obedience and experience of God at work in your midst who can tell what a visitor can mean to your church? Ask questions about what God's doing in that person's life. Then you'll know how to adjust your life to be an instrument of God. And he can accomplish his work through you. When you start to see God moving, adjust your life and respond. Visitors are important. They're important. First-time guests are important. Well, you think they just dropped in here? No, God sent them. And so the worst thing we can do is just bypass them and, and walk on by. You know, just say, God, this person's new. God sent them here. That's the first thing I think of. God sent them here. So let's, let's see, let's probe, see how God's working in their life and see why God sent them here. And so we have to be cautious to not to avoid people that we don't know. The whole purpose is for us to get to know them where they can know Jesus. Okay? If you would look at this video just for a moment on Unit 4. You've got a, you've got a video sheet there. You might want to jot down some notes or answer some questions that were left undone. I was in college, I had a summer job where I worked for the parks and rec of our small little town. And that first year, they had me driving a little green John Deere mower. Now this thing was ancient. It had been around for a long time, which meant whenever me and the two other guys drove to whatever field we were gonna mow, 
I got left in the dust. They took off and I was in, they called it Old Yeller because it had this big yellow deck on it. And I would just putter along on the road. Uh, we took the, the doors off because it was summer and needed to get a little bit of a breeze, but it also meant we'd be driving along the road and big trucks are passing that I could have reached out and probably touched if I wanted to. I remember driving this, uh, this little John Deere, trying to figure out how do I, how do, I do this without, without messing up this job too much. And I remember one day uh, they uh, told our crew to go and mow at the local graveyard. And they gave us very specific instructions. They said, I want you to mow all of this area, but there's one area that we don't want you to enter. There's some new graves there. Uh, they've planted new grass. The grass is long. It looks like it needs to be mowed, <clears throat> but, uh, but it's too new and the ground is too soft. And so just stay away from that one area and do everything else. Well, we go up there and the more I'm mowing around, the more I, I'm looking over at this section thinking, man, that looks really bad. The grass is so long over there, but, but it's been fairly dry. And it, I mean, it looks like it's solid. And so I'm just going to trim a little bit along the edge. And so I'd get a little bit close and I'd trim. And well, that, that seemed to go fine. And so I get a little closer and trim a little bit more. Eventually, I, I'm thinking, this is fine. There's not going to be any problem. And so I go for it. I go to, to mow right across uh, this grass. And when I get about halfway through, uh, my mower gets stuck. <clears throat> and all of a sudden, no matter what I do, I, I can't move. And so I give it a little more gas and the tires start to spin. Well, now some of the dirt and ground starts to, to, to kick up and I'm starting to panic. I'm going to be stuck here. So I floor it and I start digging down and there's mud and there's grass spraying everywhere. It's spraying into the inside of the mower because the doors are off. And the, the more I step on the gas, the further down I start to sink into this grave. And I'm panicking and I'm thinking, maybe if I get down far enough, I'll hit a casket or something and get some traction and shoot out of here. And, and eventually I sink all the way down into this grave and I'm stuck. And the other two guys I'm working with come by and they look at me and they're like, oh no, what are we going to do? There's no way we can get you out of there. We got to call our supervisor. And they come up with this big tractor with a big loading arm on it, wrap chains around my mower, and they lift me out of that grave and set me down on the ground, clean up the mower. Some other uh, of my fellow workers came and fixed up that area and said, Mike, please from now on do what we asked you to do so we don't have this kind of trouble again. You know, in a very similar way, that's our spiritual situation. God desires us to do one thing, and we just went and did what he did not want us to do. And the Apostle Paul actually puts it this way. He says, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. In other words, we dug ourselves into a spiritual grave that we could not get ourselves out of. And the only way that we would get out is if someone from the outside with the power uh, to pull us up out of there came to our aid. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter two. Ephesians chapter two, verse four through six says, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses, you are saved by grace. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus. In other words, God pursued us and pulled us out of our spiritual grave 
set us down and saved us. But it doesn't end there. It doesn't end with our salvation. Paul goes on to say in that same passage, for we are his creation, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time so that we should walk in them. And so it's not just about God pursuing us in a love relationship as we talked about earlier, but after he does that, he then sets us down and invites us into the works that he has prepared for us, that we might join him in his activity that he has for us. How did Jesus know what the Father's will was for him? How did he respond to the works that the Father had for him? Well, in John chapter 5, Jesus responded to them, My Father is still working, and I am working also. Truly I tell you, the Son is not able to do anything on his own, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son likewise does these things. For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he is doing, and he will show him greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. See, Christianity is not a passive religion where we sit back and do nothing. Now, God does the work of pursuing us for salvation, but after that, uh, we don't sit there and do nothing. But Christianity is also not a, a works-based religion where we fill our lives with religious activity in order to try and please God. Instead, it's relational, where God pursues us in a relationship and then invites us to become involved in his activity. The invitation that Jesus gave to the disciples was, come and follow me. It was an invitation to be in relationship with a person. And uh, every time he did that, he didn't ask them what their agenda was so that he could get on board with that. He told them what his agenda was and invited them to join into that. And so what might this look like as God invites us into his activity? Well, as we seek him the way Jesus did, many times on, on mountaintops or gardens, he would seek the will of the Father and the Father would show him what his will was. And it may be as simple as God giving you opportunities in answer to what you pray. When you pray, do you stop and watch to see what God does after you pray? I remember being at a prayer meeting in our church and I went down front uh, some time by myself to pray. And as I'm praying, uh, God specifically brings two uh, people into my mind, two young adults. Uh, I was a young adult pastor at the time. Two specific people come into my mind who were not yet Christians. And so as I'm praying, I'm saying, God, I believe you've brought these two people into my mind. Would you show me why? Well, I finished praying, and by the end of that prayer meeting, one of those two young men come up to me and says, can I have a ride home? I realize I have an opportunity to be with this young man for the next 10 or 15 minutes as I drive him home. And while we drive, I take that opportunity to speak about the things of the gospel with him. Well, as soon as I drop him off, I haven't even pulled out of his driveway yet. I get a call on my cell phone. It's the other guy that came to my mind and I answer it. He says, I have some things I really just need to talk to a pastor about, some questions about God. Do you have time to talk with me? And in my mind, I'm just realizing this is an invitation from God to join in what he is doing in these people's lives because Jesus himself said, nobody comes to me unless the Father draws them. 
When I saw God at work in these guys' lives, I knew it was an invitation for me to step in. So sometimes God's invitation to you may just be something simple. Sometimes it's something big, sometimes it's something small. Here's a small example. I remember when I was burdened in my heart out of nowhere with this crazy idea of baking cookies for our next door neighbors. Now, if you knew how good I am at baking, you'd know just how crazy of an idea that is. Because I didn't know how to bake anything. And I'm like, why would, why am I thinking this? Why, why am I gonna bake something for our neighbors? Like, do something nice for our neighbors would be to buy them some baking, not bake it myself. But, but I couldn't shake it. This, this feeling I had, I, uh, is all I could think about. And, and I realized I, I have to do this thing, as crazy as it sounds. So I recruited the help of my younger sister, who is a good baker. We baked these cookies and we went next door. Now we didn't really know our next door neighbors. Uh, they, they didn't come out of their house much and uh, we didn't have a relationship with them. And so we walked up those steps and knocked on the door and there's nothing. I'm thinking, well, at least we tried, you know, about to turn away. My sister's like, well, knock one more time. So I knock one more time. Uh, we're about to leave again when the door opens just a crack. Uh, the chain there is, is locked and just these eyes peek around the corner. Who is it? Hey, it's Mike. I'm your next door neighbor. We just wanted to bring over some cookies uh, and just let you know that, uh, that we're thinking of you and, uh, and hopefully this encourages you today. And then she slammed the door in our face. <laughs> but thankfully, it was just to unlock it the rest of the way. And then she opened it up and she began to weep and tell us how that week had been the hardest week of her life. She had been diagnosed with mental illness. Her daughter had been diagnosed with, uh, with major health problems and just piece after piece of bad news to the point where she was afraid to answer the phone or answer the door because she didn't want to get any more bad news but she felt like she had to answer the door this time. And there were her neighbors saying, we were thinking about you today. We just wanted to encourage you, let you know that God loves you and, and we were thinking about you. When she brought that plate back to my mom the next day, she, she filled her in on all these things. Just said, I couldn't have asked for better timing for encouragement. You know, it's a good thing to love your neighbor. We're called to love our neighbors uh, all the time. That's a calling we know we're called to do. But does God know when a moment of love to our neighbor would have maximum impact? He does. He knows what we don't know. And he knew that in that situation, on that day, our neighbor needed to know that she was loved. And so when God invites you in his activity, he does so from a place of being all-knowing and all-loving, things that we are not. And so are you watching? for the activity of God around your life. And when you pray, do you watch to see that invitation that you might join in his activity? All right. Mike, I've got to tell you, a little it recap is amazing. Of, uh, unit four, if you would look at unit five for just a moment. Um, unit five, the, the scripture passage, the one who's from God listens to God's words. This is why you don't listen, because you're not from God. So we have to be careful to make sure that we're, we're listening from God. Look on day one there. God speaks in different ways. He spoke in the Old Testament. It lists the different ways he spoke in the Old Testament. 
number one, do you have difficulty he, uh, hearing God speak? If you do, when do you think that is? Sometimes I have a difficult time uh, hearing God speak. And uh, I just jotted down because uh, uh, his voice is crowded out by other voices. In other words, I've got a lot of things going on. And I need to just zero in on what God is saying before I zero in on what all the other stuff is. Okay? When was the last time you sensed God was speaking to you? And what did he say? Okay? Anybody? Want to reveal anything? Maybe personal? You don't want to? That's fine. Deb? Okay. But it's, not a, it's more of a And, and I thank you because that's good counsel and we in this in this unit five uh, toward the end or toward the middle right in here somewhere close he speaks to us about of uh, the writer speaks to us about taking God as we listen to God 
to compare God's word and what we're hearing to see if what we're hearing coincides with his word. And they will. Uh, he's going to lead us by his Holy Spirit to, to action and his word is going to verify what we're hearing also. And the Holy Spirit will verify what we're hearing also. And so, but thank you for that. That's, I, I'll share, uh, share with you what God is really speaking to me about. And I've been praying now for a couple of months. I've shared it with a couple, but it's our kitchen down here below the hill. And God has put that kitchen on my mind. And I've been praying and praying. I have some other people praying. Because what I see maybe God's wanting us to do in regards to that kitchen is maybe in, in days to come, weeks to come, months, I don't know, but we may have to use that kitchen to minister to our community some way. I don't have clear direction in what it is right now, but I do feel God's leading me uh, more and more as I pray that we're going to have to use that kitchen to minister to our community some way. I don't know what it is right now, but pray with me about that and see, uh, see how God speaks to you as we pray about using the kitchen to minister to our community some way, okay? Because that's what I'm, that's what I'm praying about. Um, we're going to... Uh, man, I hate to... Uh, have, let me just, what about chapter 5? Has everyone finished chapter 5? Or is, uh, do we have some that haven't finished chapter 5? Haven't finished chapter 5, anybody? Haven't finished chapter 5? Thank you. I, I tell you what, let's do. Instead of showing another video concluding chapter 5, let's just, let's just go ahead and work on chapter 5 this week. And we'll conclude it next Sunday night. We'll catch everybody up, if that's possible. Okay, we do that. And if you want to go ahead with chapter 6, that's fine. But we have some that we need to get caught up, and we'll, we'll do that. If you're in favor, let me know saying amen. Amen. Y'all want out of here. I know what y'all want. <laughs> okay. All right, let's do that. You got that, Brother Kyle? We'll save the next one, and we'll pick up with chapter 5 and take our time. I don't, it's just too good to, uh, to leave any of it out. Man. What about God giving specific instructions or directions? You believe God does that? Yeah, Corey, you believe God does that.
Amen. Well, we just have to pay attention. And, uh, you know, his spirit, you know, uh, bears witness with our spirit. It may not be an audible voice, but we, we, we hear him. I mean, we know it's God speaking um, because it's pretty direct. But it's, it's like his spirit bearing witness with our spirit that it's, it's from God. And so, and the more we build that relationship with him, the more we pray, the more we read our Bible, the more we work on that relationship, the more evident that becomes in our life. And the more we're obedient to him, the more we experience him. And we're obedient because we love him. If we're not experiencing him, it's not, a, it's not an obedient problem. It's a, it's a love problem. And so it all focuses in God still speaks to people that will listen to him. And so that's what we need to focus on. All right, thank you. You've done great.